A playmaker is on the move. An all-star defenseman decides to stay in Hollywood. And the Hollywood drama in Ottawa could be reaching its end very soon. Also, San Jose opts to re-sign everybody instead of landing another big fish. Part 2 of episode 132 starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. We got lots to cover in part two of episode 132, but first, we didn't do this yesterday because uh, we had a guest on the show, but we're going to do it today. We're going to delve back into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? Yeah. Also, it would have been way too long if we uh, did... uh... It did a question of the day. Yeah, um, I figured that's, yeah. that's why I saved it. Anyways, one, question yeah. 21 is our question for this week, and it is as follows. Who unseated Gordie Howe as the oldest player in NHL history to score a hat trick? A, Martin St. Louis of the New York Rangers, which we will talk about in this podcast because he's going into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Timu Solani of the Anaheim Ducks, already in the Hall of Fame. C. Yarmer Yager of the New Jersey Devils probably will be there someday, and D. Mark Recchi of the Boston Bruins. Um. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna go with since it is fitting. I am gonna go with Martin St. Louis, but I have a feeling it's gonna be like Yarmer Yager. So I'm so gonna it, officially I'll say uh, MSL. Sorry, what? What, what's your guess? I'm guessing, uh, I, met, uh, I, I went with his uh, initials. Oh, is, is that right? Okay, Martin St. Louis. Well, you should have gone with Jeremy Yager because that Damn. was the correct answer. I knew it. All right, whatever. Yeah, the legend that is Jeremy Yager, who uh, is apparently breaking all of the, the old records that are meant to be broken because he's the ageless wonder. Anyways, uh, going on to a jam-packed uh, part two. And uh, we're going to start off with a trade that does not involve Eric Carlson, but still uh, a big name uh, going to a Western Conference team. Yeah, we talked about this a little, little bit uh, yesterday, or last night, I guess. Um, it was uh, Ryan O'Reilly goes to the Blues, um, for, and the Buffalo gets in return uh, Tage Thompson, who actually had a decent uh, season when he was called up late um, yes, last year. Um, Patrick Berglund and Vladimir Sabatka. Um, they also, the Sabres also get a 2019 first round pick and a 2021 second round pick. This is one of those trades where I feel like it's, it, it's kind of helpful for both teams. Um, you know, the Sabres get like, um, get a kind of like a prospect that may not have been, um, deployed well enough in St. Louis and, you know, he'll, he'll get his chances here in Buffalo. Um, they also get another first round pick this year. They, um, they now have three first round picks, uh, including the Vander Kane tr- uh, trade that they got on the deadline last year where everyone was like, wait, why didn't they get a 2018 first round pick? They instead get a 2019 pick from the Sharks. Um, so they also have the Blues 2019 pick 
as well. So that's kind of like pretty cool that like even before the season has started, they have three first round picks. Um, and, uh, they, and then they get like two, uh, two veteran presence guys on the Sabres team, uh, in Patrick Berglund and Vladimir Sabatka. Um, we kind of talked about, discussed this lot yesterday in terms of like what Ryan O'Reilly does to the Blues, but it is kind of, um, it is kind of cool what, uh, I am excited about what the Sabres will do with this haul that they got for Ryan O'Reilly. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts? Well, um, what's interesting to note is, um, while the St. Louis Blues didn't actually get more than just Ryan O'Reilly, um, I guess part of uh, the trade was that we'll give you all of these assets, um, but uh, we'll we'll take on um, Ryan O'Reilly and uh, and the signing bonus that he is owed, um, right. so that we uh, we can get um, a bigger return. Um, I, it, I now that I think about it, it's it's kind of weird because St. Louis is giving up all of those assets and taking on Ryan O'Reilly's signing bonus. And, and they're actually still saving money in this trade. They actually saved about 700 grand in this deal. Yeah. But I, I think that's part of the reason they were able to get Ryan O'Reilly from Buffalo is, Hey, we'll take this guy and we'll pay his bonus. Um, and, and I guess Buffalo seemed pretty okay with that, but I think Ryan O'Reilly is going to be worth the price of admission. Um, you look at last year, he had 15 of his 24 goals scored on the power play. Um, three times in his career, he's hit 60 points. Two of those came in his three-year stint with Buffalo on a Sabres team that <laughs> really wasn't going yep. anywhere. And, and if he can do that on a subpar Sabres offense, imagine what he can do with Tarasenko on his line. Yeah, this is this is his third team. And he was on, you know, he was on the Avalanche for about six years. Um, and, um, you know, he, those teams were also pretty bad, too. So it is kind of, like, interesting that he, like, I'm looking here. He had 61 points last season for a pretty bad Buffalo team. Um, and same for his first year um, at Buffalo, where he had 60 points in 71 games. Um and, you know, he keeps on, he has like 64 points in uh, 80 games. And that was in, uh, that was in 2013-14. And I believe that was uh, Patrick Waugh's uh, year when Patrick Waugh was the coach. So, like, you know, he has a habit of being on bad teams. But he is, like, one of their better players on bad teams in that regard. And I think I was t- mentioning this last year, uh, yesterday, but he has a, th- he had a thousand two hundred and seventy three faceoff wins with a faceoff percentage of 60%, um, which is incredible. Um, like I don't even think Patrice Bergeron has that per- uh, faceoff percentage. Um, so he, he's clearly one of the best faceoff guys in the league, um, in that regard. Um, but, it, and he, you know, he's going to St. Louis and I know face-offs aren't really like a big deal, but like, it is kind of like, that is absurd if, um, 
that's just an absurd face-off stat in terms of possession and stuff. And um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think I think he does bring more depth to the Blues already. Um, yep. Um, do you? I don't know. Do you have anything else on this? I heard in the initial was, and they get Brian O'Reilly is maybe the thing that people are overlooking the most because Robert Toss is another guy that can make an impact with this team, with this team down the road too. Yeah, true. Uh, Robert Thomas uh, could, I feel, I feel it's a little risky to bring him up right away. Um, like just like have him toll in the AHL for a bit um, and then bring him up maybe, but it's just a little risky to bring him up straight from the OHL. Um, but yeah, no, I agree in terms of like, um, uh, Robert Thomas looks promising. They also got a guy, uh, we mentioned yesterday, Tyler, uh, Bozak, they get David Perron back. Um, so they have, um, you know, they're getting Robbie Fabry back as well from injury cause he was gone all last year. Um, so there is that aspect of things where you know, the Blues are looking like a different team now, and they they could surprise next year. Um, and they might get uh, end up getting Patrick Maroon as well, so uh, that that is also a possibility there. Um, but yeah, I do like. I also kind of like this for Buffalo because they get you know they get picks uh, from the Blues, and then they also get someone that could be good, uh, decent this year. Uh, Tate Thompson only had nine points in 41 games, but I do remember that there were some times where, like, he actually, like, he, like, he only had 11, uh, 12 minutes of average ice time, um, when he was playing, um, so he could be something, I know he was, like, a first-round pick a couple years ago, um, I just remember him because it's, like, a very cool name, um, 20, he was a first round pick, 26 overall in 20, in the 2016 NHL entry draft. And get this, he went to UConn, um, for college, which is a kind of a rarity, um, in the, um, in the NHL, because they're not really known for their college hockey, but that is kind of cool. Um, they also get Vladimir Sabatka, who had 31 points. And Patrick Berglund, who had 26 points in 57 games, so um, so the, I I don't know. Berglund could be something, I guess, but they're both. Uh, but he's also like 30 years old, and Sibaka is 31 years old. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm not. I, I, think we're, I think we're also at the stage where you kind of know what Patrick Berglund and Vladimir Sibaka yeah. bring to the team, like, they're, they've kind of hit their stride already, mm-hmm. um, like, Patrick Berglund's kind of like a Brandon Peary, where he can kick in 15 to 20 goals, but that's about it, and Sabaka yep. again, more bottom six scoring, maybe put him on the second line every now and again, um, and, and Tage Thompson is one of those guys that the Sabres, I think, need, like, they have a lot of talented, skilled players, I've, they need big bodies on that team to um, lower the boom um, to, to add some size up. I think was a part of this return is because of the size factor as well. Would you would you agree that both teams won this trade, or uh, do you think 
it's not like it's it's one sided. It's not one sided. Um, I can't really put my finger on a winner right now, but I think both teams got something in this trade. I don't think there's a clear cut winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you'd have to play hockey games to see in the end. Um, I think hindsight more than anything is going to determine who won this trade because it's it's too soon to tell who won right now. I yeah. think in the heat of this trade. Steve? Yeah. You're kind of in and out now, but uh, yeah, I I think the uh, I, I think I got what you were going to say, um, but Yeah, it, it, it's, it, uh, it's if you didn't if you didn't uh, hear my response, or, I'll repeat it again. Basically, what I was going to say it's, this is one of those trades five years down the road where hindsight is twenty twenty, and hindsight, this was a good trade, and hindsight, this was a bad trade. Or right. Or both teams won. Yeah. But um, I think right now in the heat of the moment, both teams got what they were looking for. And I think both teams are better after this deal. Yeah. It might I, not look like it on paper, but I think both teams got what they want. I think, yeah, I think the, the Sabres certainly got a haul for Ryan O'Reilly. But at the same time, Ryan O'Reilly is the best player in this dra- in this trade. So it's like, you know, I usually like think like, in terms of deciding between who won the trade or not, it's like, so who got the best player? And that's St. Louis. But at the same time, Buffalo ended up getting five assets for one guy. So it's, like, hard to say, like, well, they didn't necessarily, like, lose the trade. Um, So I could see it working out for Buffalo. Um, And this certainly makes St. Louis a contender um, in the Western Conference. I'm not necessarily sure they're, like, you know, if the Lightning get end up getting Eric Carlson good, but like they're they're better than um, than they were uh, previously. Um, yeah, like I, I I said I said in the in part one that maybe Dallas or Colorado or Minnesota should be concerned yep. about this trade and how good it makes St. Louis. But teams like Winnipeg and Nashville that are ahead of them, yep. I don't think St. Louis making this trade phase them one bit. Yeah, I I could see that. I I could see them being, but I could see them being finishing third in the central. Um, yeah, even, third wild card team, or or second, second in the central. Yeah, it's really all dependent on Jake Allen, as we mentioned yesterday. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then as for Buffalo, it's like it's hard to even predict Buffalo at this point. It's just like, yeah. oh, you know, I I I've had enough so of. For so long, it's just yeah. like, oh, I hope this trade works. Right, it could work out, it might not work out for them, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, rapid fire, uh, Drew Doughty resigns with the Kings, eight years, $11 million. Um, this is a This is a pretty good deal. Uh, he, uh, Drew Doughty actually had his best season last year. Um, he was one of the, he was in the top ten for defensemen, in points, I was actually just going to pull up his stats. He had 60 points in 82 games. Uh, 10 of them were goals, 50 were assists. Um, he's only 28 years old. Uh, kind of like, you know, we always kept on comparing him to Eric Carlson. We all know that Eric Carlson's a little bit better than Drew Doughty, but um, I kind of like this deal. I know that the Kings are probably going to be rebuilding some at some point, but... You know, that's 
I don't know if they necessarily need to right away um, this year, but they are getting pretty old, um, and it's good to have a guy like Drew Doughty on the back end of things, so you don't have to necessarily worry about it, other than his cap hit, but um, I think, I think, I really like this move for them. Uh, Drew Doughty is one of the best defensemen in the league, so you should be able to lock him up. Um, take notes, Senators. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you think of this deal, uh, Steve? Well, uh, I think Eric Carlson is looking at this deal and he's licking his chops because if that's what Drew Doughty's making, he mm. should be making more money than Drew Doughty. And I'm not saying Drew Doughty is, isn't worth this kind of money. I mean, you look at uh, what he did last year, um, let all NHL defenders and advertise time per game. Uh, his possession driving plays second most in the league, 31.4 on average. Um, we're talking about a very good player in Drew Doughty. Yep. Um, but you look at Eric Carlson. He has three more seasons with more than 200 shots on goal than Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty's had two in his career. Carlson's had five. Um, shooting percentage, not much differentiating yet. Uh, Carlson's at 6.6 for his career. Drew's at 6.1. So they're pretty close in that regard. But Eric Carlson has had five seasons with at least 15 goals. Drew's only done that once. Eric has gone over 60.6 times in his career. Prior to this year, Drew Doughty hadn't done that. Eric Carlson should at least get $11 million a year. And um, I think Eric Carlson is is worth Drew Doughty money, if not more than Drew Doughty money. Um, because if... If you haven't watched Eric Carlson play um, <laughs> by now, uh, you've missed out on a lot. Like Eric Carlson's a generational talent, like Drew Doughty, but I think he's worth more than Drew Doughty at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of consistency, I think Carlson is uh, is the better player um, as opposed to just like. But, like, as opposed to last year, I know Carlson was injured for a couple of games, so it is hard to compare. But um, there is, you know, I, I think Dowdy had a better season than Carlson did. So there is that aspect of things where, like, in terms of longevity, Dowdy is probably the safer pick. Um, but in terms of actual skill, I think Carlson has him beat. Um, mm-hmm. And, and what's also helpful for Drew Doughty as well is that he's got Jonathan Quick to back him up, yep. and he also has guys like Jake Muzzin, Derek Yeah, Ford, a lot of it has to do with the team. Well. Yeah, the LA's sure. got the strong defense and goaltending compared to Ottawa, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, like, you know, at the same time, that's not to say that I think they are comparable, and I would have, like, I, I think, I mean, whoever signs, it looks like it's not going to be the Senators, but whoever signs Eric Carlson, um, like, I think they could they could conceivably give him seven years, 11, 11 million. Or I guess, on the off chance uh, that it's the Senators, then I could see them doing an eight-year, 11 million deal just based off of this Drew Doughty thing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's good for him, and it's just... I feel like the Kings will eventually have to rebuild because it's not like when I look at their team, you know, you have Ilya Kovalchuk for three years, 6.25, and he's 
35 years old. Anze Kopitar is 30. Jeff Carter is 33. Dustin Brown's also 33. Um, it's not like they have a ton of young guys on their core. Uh, Jonathan Quick's 32. Uh, Dion Phaneuf they have, who's 33. Alex Martinez is 30. Muzzin's 29. So a lot, like a lot of their core, or almost all their core that I just mentioned, are over 30. Um, so that is something that they'll have to think about. Um, I mean, Toffoli, who's, uh, who's a pretty good player, um, he's 26 years old, so you have that, but um, that's pretty much their youngest player um, who's making an impact in the NHL. Um, so that is something where like, I feel like eventually, and maybe not this year or maybe even not next year, but in the coming years, it's going to be something that they'll have to think about where they're going to have to try to get younger. Um, but uh, I don't know if they necessarily have to do it right now. Um, but it could be it could be a weird situation, and this Drew Doughty getting $11 million might be a, kind of a bog in their system. So I could see it not going as well as they planned, but Doughty is worth that much money uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the lowest amount that he's going to be getting paid in that deal is $10 million, and yep. that's in year two. Speaking of old guys, um, the uh, the Sharks uh, have a lot of re-signings, and I think this just happened because they realized that they weren't going to get end up getting uh, John Tavares, so they kind of just figured, like, oh, we'll, we'll just keep the core together um, instead. So Logan Couture... Resigns with uh, uh, with eight years, eight million. I guess I'll just do all three of these together. Um, Thomas Hurdle gets uh, four years, five points for five point six million uh, per year, um, and Jumbo resigns again. And this was directly related to John Tavares. Um, he gets one year, five million. Reportedly, uh, uh, Thornton was gonna sign with. The Sharks, even if they did get Tavares, he was just waiting to see if they did, um, so that he could, so that they could negotiate um, contract extensions for that. But um, yeah, I, I found this like I remember Logan Couture signed just before July first, and I was thinking like, well, that's odd. I guess that mean that must mean that they're not too confident with. Um, yeah, with getting to Tavares, that, yeah. that was my thinking uh, process as yeah. well. It's just like it, it's uh, it like if you could get to Tavares and keep Couture all in the same week, like all the power to you, man. Yeah. Give Doug Wilson a raise. Exactly. I mean, and not to say that like Logan Couture. I mean, eight years, eight million. Um, so that's pretty much going to mean that he's going to be a shark for life, pretty much because he's mm-hmm. twenty nine years old. He's been a shark for his entire life and, uh, currently, and you don't see that that much um, in this day and age, um, which is kind of cool. Um, I just I'm looking here. He's an auto Ottawa sixty seven, so um, you must love that. Um, but uh, uh, or he was way back when. Um, but uh, yeah, he had thirty four goals, um, sixty one points. Uh, th- I think thirty four goals was his best um on the sharks um in his season yeah, he led the sharks last year and i believe that was also a career high for him too. yeah so uh so yeah that, that um that could be a a good 
end up being a good thing. It could be just like a late bloomer type deal, kind of like what uh, Joe Pavelski has been. Um, Thomas Hurdle uh, is one of their younger players, but he kind of also came into his own. He keeps on getting better and better every year, it feels like. Um, he had uh, 46 points um, in 79 games. He had 22 goals and 24 assists. I feel like he's going to get a bigger role eventually. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't pay him 5.625 for a 40-point player. You just hope that he'll get better and better. Um, again, he's only 24 years old, so he has room to grow. Um, I could see him being a 60-point guy or even a 70-point guy at his highest, but um, I kind of I like this deal too, assuming that Hurdle um, will be a guy soon, you know, will be um, a better player eventually. Um, yeah. But uh, the Sharks kind of have a similar situation as the Kings do, where you have Joe Pavelski, who's 33 years old, Thornton, who's 39 years old, Brent Burns, who's 33, Vlasic is 31, um, Martin Jones, who I don't know if you really believe in him, but he's 28 years old, you know, so it's like, uh, you know, they're, they're getting old in age as well, even though they have Evander Kane locked up, who's 26, Logan Couture now, who's 29, uh, Hurdle, 24, um, Melker Carlson is 27, um, you have a couple of young guys who may be something, Timo Meyer is 21, um, and Kevin LeBlanc is 22, um, so, so you do have some young guys, but it's still, like, an older core, um, than usually for most teams, um, but yeah, so that would be my only real worry for the Sharks, is, like, you're putting too much long-term on, on a couple of these guys, but at the same time, it's, like, you know, Logan Couture is probably going to be the captain when Pavelski leaves um, pretty soon. So, yeah. And when, and, uh, when uh, Thornton retires, he's going to be the number one center because yeah. people forget that uh, Joe Thornton is still the number one center right now. Sure. And Couture scored 34 goals, pretty much anchoring the second line. And, and you look at his power play success as well. At least 10 power play markers and back-to-back campaigns, 22 combined goals with the extra man. And um, uh, in the – actually, no, check that. He, he scored 21 goals combined on the power play over the last two years. And then before that, he scored a combined 22 goals. So his role in the power plays, the team has increased. And in pretty much – Every single season, he scored at least 20 goals in, almost, in over half his uh, time at the Sharks. He scored at least 25, three-time 30-goal scorer as well. And this is a guy that can chip in 50 to 60 points when he's on his game, uh, maybe even more than that. Um, so Logan Couture is like Drew Doughty to the Kings. Regardless of how good or bad your team is, you know that guy is going to be there, and you know he's going to give it his all every single night. Um and you talk about uh, Jumbo Joe. Um, in this deal, he actually took a pay cut because, if you remember, his last deal, I believe, was paying him eight million for a year, and this one's actually uh, five million dollars. So uh, um, this this actually helps them save money to re-sign um, 
their lone RFA, Chris Tierney, or even to get a big piece. Because let's not forget, they they went out and got Mike Hoffman and then quickly traded him away to Florida. Yeah, I'm still convinced that the Sharks aren't done. I think they are going to be in the hunt for another offensive piece. Yep, I can see that. I just don't know if there are any available right now, other than, I guess, if Rick Nash wants to come out of retirement. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. In terms of their, they kind of missed out on Stasny, Tavares. Um, uh, I think a big-name yeah. offensive piece that they'd Holy probably Church. be in the hunt for is Patches. Yeah, that could, that could be an interesting move if they go on and get Patches. Or, like, Jeff Skinner. Um, even, um, yeah, Jeff Skinner could be another one too. You're right. That's yeah. another name I forgot about. Um, or Panarin, um, if he's truly up for a trade, but yeah, you're right in terms of like, they do have a lot of cap space now, um, even with all these deals. So I could see it being, um, they might go out and get someone. Um, but it does seem like they've missed out on like, the Tavares sweepstakes, they missed out on Ilya Kovalchuk, they missed out on uh, Paul Stasny, they missed out on uh, a bunch of these guys. They did, I mean, to be fair, JBR, they... JBR, JBR was the guy that I thought would be going to the Shark Tank, and he didn't. Yeah, and they also, like, to be fair, they did get, uh, you know, they did pick up Evander Kane, who would have been a free agent, but they re-signed him beforehand. But you're right, in terms of that Hoffman deal, like, they saved a bunch of cap space, but now, what are they going to do with all that cap space? Like, are they going to fill it, or are they just going to keep it? It's not like they have too many free agents looming now, um, but, you know, they still have $7 million left in cap space, um, so uh, so they could make a, mo- a bigger move eventually, um, just to be over. But, um, yeah. Uh, the, one, the one thing, uh, before we uh, wrap up with the Sharks thing, um, the one thing that's impressed me about Thomas Hurdle is uh, his shooting effectiveness. Because this is a guy in 2015, 2016, that scores. And he did that on 202 shots. So that's a shooting percentage of 10.4%. This past year, after uh, injury-shortened uh, season. He had 175 shots, so less than uh, his shot total from a couple of years ago. And he scored a career-high 22 goals, shooting percentage of 12.6. So he essentially equaled his numbers from a couple of years ago this year, but he did it on fewer shots. If he can continue to improve on that shooting accuracy, um, I think the Sharks are not only going to get a better goal scorer, but I think a more efficient goal scorer as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, he, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think there's still room to grow for Hurdle, and that's kind of what's exciting about him. It's like, if, like, 40 points is, like, not his best, then well, what else can he do? Um, and, but that's, yeah. and that's, I think, I think that's going to be the trick for the Sharks, um, yeah. is not only to have their veterans rolling on all cylinders, but their young guys. And you saw what happened with the Bruins last year when everyone was um, playing their role and doing their job. The Bruins were one point away from Tampa Bay at the end of the regular season. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. And, uh, like, I, I'm, I'm looking at their cap-friendly page, and I see that, like, Joe Pavelski has uh, one more year left. 
um, and so does Joe Thornton. So it's like those two guys who are all obviously still like you know they can still produce and you know score, but like you know maybe the Sharks are gonna try to give it to the young guys more. Um, so maybe Pavelski won't be a Shark next year. We'll see, um, but it's certainly possible. And I think if they don't keep Pavelski, I think they're wise to trade him, yep. as silly as that sounds, because he could get a lot of help down the road as far as the young guys go. Because yep. that's how the good teams stay good, True. is that they continue to restock the cupboard. And the Sharks can't get into the habit of just um, letting good players go for nothing, because... Um, the Sharks are in a conference where they've got at least four or five teams probably ahead of them on the depth chart. I would put Winnipeg ahead of them. I would put Nashville ahead of them. Um, so that's that's two teams right off the bat there. If Vegas can stay good, maybe them as well. You would have to think Edmonton and Calgary are probably going to have some sort of a resurgence this year. Yeah. And the Kings are probably still going to be good this year. So the Sharks are in that position where – a bad year or two could really slow them down. Yeah, the thing with the Sharks is I'm not, like, kind of like the Blues, I'm not totally convinced of their goalie, um, Martin I Martin Jones, but... I it, trust Martin Jones more than Jake Allen. That's yeah, I know, I was about to say, I, I do, I think he is better than Jake Allen, but at the same time, it's like, you also have Aaron Dell, who is also, like, outperforming Martin Jones um, in a, a couple of games, so... Um, it could be like a tandem type deal, but I'm still not like, I feel like they need to figure out that goalie situation. Um, but yeah, um, uh, speaking of, uh, teams that missed out on Tavares, Tampa Bay, uh, makes a couple of re-signings as well. Ryan McDonough re-signs with Tampa Bay, seven years, uh, 6.75. For both for those seven years, um, he has a modified no trade clause, um, and also you know who else has a modified no trade clause? J.T. Miller. Um, he has a five year. Uh, he's there for five years, five point two five million. Um, he has a modified no trade clause. You were telling me off the air um, in the years two uh, two and five. Um, not um, actually, it's years two. Th- Three, four, and five. Year one is the only one where the no trade is not in effect. That's what I said. I thought. Oh, I thought I thought you said two and five, not two through five. Oh, well, that's what I meant. I I did. I think I did say two and five. Every every year except year one, there's a modified no trade. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense though. It's like you're you you have a no trade clause, but only in year two and year five. Yeah, so, like, if, if you don't want J.T. Miller on your team and you want to get rid of him right away, trade yeah. him in the first year. Or or the third year or the fourth year, but not in the second year. Um. Maybe, maybe a conspiracy theory with Carlson involved in those trade talks, maybe that's the plan. It's just like, hey, we'll give you J.T. Miller on... Uh, We'll give you JT Miller on on a, on a longer term, maybe to sweeten the pot, to, so that they don't take a guy like Braden Point or something. Right, like right. But I, I don't know. Um, the, <laughs> we just love our conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought there. the interesting thing about this deal was, I think both Ryan McDonough and JT Miller were made before July first, which was like signifying to me is like, oh, okay, so they're definitely out on Tavares if they're willing to pay this much 
for yeah. two of these guys. Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of curious about this Ryan McDonough deal, um, especially as you just mentioned, considering that they almost did get Eric Carlson. Uh, turns out, like maybe that's not actually true. I guess there, there's nothing to say that they won't get Eric Carlson. But you have Ryan McDonough locked up. You have Victor Hedman locked up, and then you're going to get Eric Carlson maybe locked up. Um, yeah, so that's, that's like maybe like twenty million per year on three defensemen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and not to mention you have you would still might have Mikhail Sergachev, um, as well, who you're going to have to pay in a couple of years. So yeah. unless he's not involved in the deal, so it's like it would be like it, should, it didn't make sense in that regard. It's like, well, wait, how are they going to afford all that? But yeah, so J, uh, JT Miller and Ryan McDonough, two former Rangers, um, and two. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess JT Miller was a good depth guy for them um, down the stretch. Um, and you know, same kind of with Ryan McDonough, but it's it is kind of funny that now the Lightning are basically the Rangers, but like five years ago, uh, <laughs> they also have Ryan Callahan, Dan Girardi, um, and uh, Anton Strollman on their team, who are all former Rangers. But it, it's, uh, I mean, it could work out for them. It's like you have all these former Rangers, and then you have Steven Stamkos and Kucherov. I don't know, maybe Lundqvist will join the team um, in a couple of years if he really wants a cup. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it was a strange, I feel like it's a strange resigning because I feel like the specifically the JT Miller signing I felt like was a little bit much um, in, in terms of cost. Um, even Ryan McDonough I felt like was a little bit much in terms of cost because it's like you also have Victor Hedman. Why are you paying two defensemen like this? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it was a little weird move, but at the same time, this is Steve Yazerman. He's one of the best GMs in the league. So, um, maybe he, he, he probably knows something that I don't. So, uh, I guess it's kind of like in Yazerman we trust, you know, yeah. maybe for, for Lightning fans. I think the JT Miller signing isn't as bad as you think it is. I mean, this guy got 31 goals and 61 points split between New York and Tampa. Yeah. And in 19 games with Tampa, he got 10 goals and 18 points. Five of the 10 goals came on the power play. He looks like um, a first-line guy if they put him on the same line with Stammer and Kutrov, and that's maybe why they kept him around is they see JT Miller having a future on that top line. Um so, on top of that, you also look at his stats and you notice, oh, his stats have improved every single year he's played in the league. So, if he right. can score 31 goals and 61 points this year, the expectation is, well, maybe he can score 80 this year. So, I, I think if he can do that, if he can score like 70 to 80 points consistently, five million, five $5.25 million per year is pretty cheap yeah. uh, for a guy like JT Miller True. on a talented team like Tampa Bay. But... The Ryan McDonough one, even if he doesn't regress defensively and he still chips in with 30 points per year, I it's it's sad to say it, but that contract's going to look like a freaking albatross because yeah. at the end of the day, you're still going to have to resign Nikita Kutrov, who's probably looking at the J.T. Miller deal on going well. 
if he can get five million for anywhere already, gee, I'm probably getting at least seven million in my next deal. Right. And then you look at Vasilevsky, he's probably going to get paid, due to get paid soon. Same with Sergachev, same with Andy Well, even if the Lightning don't get Carlson, that Ryan McDonough contract could really hurt them in the long term, even if he does play like a good Ryan McDonough. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think, uh, like, I feel like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was saying. It's like, especially when you have a guy like Victor Edmond on the team who is going to make up more of your power play time, more of your special teams and all that stuff, where it's like, you know, you're not going to necessarily need Ryan McDonough to produce a ton. And that's, so it's like $6 million for a guy who's um, who might not be that good, uh, you know, who's going to be your second best defenseman, uh, not including if uh, we should assume that they're not getting Carlson at this moment. But, like, uh, you know... Never say never. Right, never say never, but at the moment, they, they don't have him. Um, yeah. so, so, like, at this point, you know, he's their second-best defenseman. He could be their third-best defenseman. And it's, it's, it's tough to see. It's, it's hard to see that, like, oh, well, maybe he's going to be worth it. But, I don't know, it's... Um, I mean, at the same time, you do have, like, some defensive depth. You know, you can... You're always going to have a, a good defenseman on your pair, because you have Hedman, um, they're both le- left-handed defensemen, which I didn't realize, you know, you, so you have Hedman with Girardi, then you have McDonough with his former teammate in Strawman. um, so, or, you know, you put him up with uh, Sergeyev or something, so you're always going to have, like, those two guys on the ice, so maybe it is worth it in that, uh, frame of things, but at the same time, it's like, you're sec- you're paying a second pair guy, um, six million dollars um, next yeah. year. So that's that's kind of be a weird situation there, um, especially and again, considering he's got a no trade attached yeah. to every single year of that deal. And he's going to be uh, thirty years old when that uh, deal starts because he's still under contract for four million this year. Uh, four point seven million this year, so um, it, it it really kicks in next year. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's, it will be. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I I think also um, with this signing, I think if I'm Anton Stroman, if I'm Dan Girardi, I'm counting the days and cherishing every moment I have with my teammates in Tampa Bay because I don't think they'll be able to keep those guys, and they've got guys. Yeah. in the prospect pool like Matt Spencer and Callum Foote that at some point are probably going to be NHL ready. Right. Uh, and I think sooner rather than later, we're going to see those young guys start to take over because feasibly you can't keep Stroman and Girardi and pay McDonough. And especially if they land Carlson, that's going to be impossible. Yeah. Um, right. No, exactly. Well, I mean, unless they're a part of the deal. But yeah, you're right. Um, the... Yeah. It uh, looks like, uh, speaking of Carlson, um, it looks like uh, Colin Miller uh, gets re-signed four years, $3.875 million, um, uh, you know, AAV. Um, I, I realize it makes it seem like it's just a sh- sh- like that's the 
the full year, but it's, uh, I mean it as an AAV. Um, but um, can you imagine getting paid only $3 million, uh, $3.875 million for four years? <laughs> but, like, that's that's in total. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that would be, like, what we're being paid right now. Um, the... Anyway, so Colin Miller had his best year uh, by far. He had 41 points, uh, 10 goals, 31 assists. Um, you know, they also have Shea Theodore in their midst, but I feel like this is kind of like a cheap contract for them. But uh, reportedly, he was involved. Um, he, If Carlson does go to the, um, the Golden Knights, uh, Colin Miller was supposedly going to be involved um, in this trade. Um, back, but, um, you know, he's a, he's a big time hitter. He, you know, he really got his chances, um, now where he wouldn't have gotten, uh, back in Boston. So I, I got, as a Bruins fan, I'm kind of happy that he, uh, he's able to, uh, make a name for himself, at least, even if it's somewhere else. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how sustainable it is, but, um, you know, again, he's 25 years old. They're kind of, and this is a cheap deal where he can kind of, uh, afford to, um, make that much money, you know, that he can afford to maybe regress a little bit, but, um, even still like, you know, like he was a pretty good defenseman for them, especially on the power play. Um, so I think this could be worth it for them. It was a good signing for them. All right. I like it. What's interesting about Colin Miller is that he's had a track record of starting off and then just loading on the NHL season, 55 points, which is solid for a defenseman. Second AHL season, 19 goals and 52 points for Manchester. Uh, helpful reminder that the Kings could have kept Colin Miller on their team. And then he gets nine goals and 29 points in his first 103 NHL games, all of Boston. And he in 10 goals and 41 with Vegas. So I'm really interested to see how he follows up this year. But to, to continue to put up those kind of numbers at $3.875 million, that's probably the most defensive contract dealt. Um, and it's just the way that Vegas has been able to to find these guys on defense. Like they're paying roughly fifteen million a year on defensemen and they went to the finals. Like the way they've been able to run the cap and just really evaluate talent. Yeah. Like, even in just one year it's incredible. Yeah, he had the mo- I'm looking here at his ATOI. He only averaged uh fifteen minutes uh forty nine seconds uh for both uh, for both his seasons in Boston, um, and and then in Vegas, he had an uptick of an average ice time of 19, uh, 21, 19 minutes and twenty one seconds, um, and he had a uh, about a like a thirty point uh, increase um, in in this season. So um, he's also was hitting more, um, he was blocking more, so. Um, you know, he was doing more than just scoring points and being on the power play. You know, he was he was taking advantage of all the ice time that he had. And it kind of just shows that, like, if you, you know, like, I, 
he has a ridiculous shot. Um, I remember that in his time in Boston. And I was upset that, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights picked him up. But, you know, I am, at the same time, I am glad that he is, uh, you know, he's doing well here um, in Vegas and, you know, kind of making a name for himself. I would have rather the Bruins have protected him instead of Kevin Miller, but um, Kevin Miller has also been pretty good in terms of a shutdown role, um, but not to get too much into a tangent there. But, um, yeah, so Colin, I, I don't know. I like this deal. I guess there isn't anything to say that they, he couldn't still be involved in a trade to, um, to Ottawa because he is kind of now he's on a cheap deal. Um, so that could be enticing for a guy like Eugene Melnick, but, um, but yeah, it's also like, you know, he is in a good place right now, um, for them. Um, and, and I think that would also be pretty, the age of 26, you know, coming over to a market like Ottawa, who, as far as physicality goes, it's just Borvietsky and that's it. Like their defense isn't really the most experienced and if they lose Carlson, they'll be even less so. Yeah. So maybe it would be a nice guy there. Right, yeah. So, I mean, he would be a good fit for them, but, um, you know, I don't know if the Golden Knights are going to want to do it unless they can get a guy like Eric Carlson. So, um, I also think that uh, the Sens need more help on the wing than they do on defense, I think, in, in the long term. Like, they've got... Right. They've got a young defense now, but they've got prospects up and coming on defense. Right. They don't have that on the wing. But if you're going to trade an Eric Carlson, you're going to want defensive help. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like a roster player that plays defense, that would be nice. But, right. Um, the, I, I, I just hope Dorian doesn't settle. But anyways, we'll talk more about Carlson uh, later. Yeah, well, you will. Uh, um, that, that, that is a topic we're going to go in depth uh, a couple of times this summer, I think. For sure. Um, I, I don't see Carlson being a sentence. Yep. Uh, all right, let's go, uh, let's go on to all these other things now. Uh, Connor Sheary uh, is another trade to announce. Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick go to the Sabres uh, for a, a 2019 conditional fourth-round pick. I'm not really sure what the condition is, but um, con- uh, Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick are, are going to be on the Sabres. Um, you know, Sheary was like kind of made all his credit. Or that was the theory is that, like, considering he was on um, Sidney Crosby's line, and then once he was off it, he wasn't necessarily uh great but you know so that kind of happened this year but at the same time he had 18 goals that's not terrible um so i i kind of want to you know and he's also going to be supposedly he's probably going to be on jack eichel's line so i know crosby is definitely a better player than eichel is but i mean sherry could also take advantage of being on Jack Eichel's line, um, instead, so, um, I don't know, this could, this could be, uh, one of those things where Connor Sherry, um, could, like, turn out to be another Chris Kunitz, um, you know, once he's off the Penguins and off of, uh, Sidney Crosby's, you know, line, um, (laughs) no one has heard of him again, but at the same time, it, it could, uh, it could be um, 
you know, he could be for real and he could uh, make some noise maybe. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of this deal? Well, I mean, how, um, how he uh, has, uh, how much chemistry he has with Sam Reinhardt because Sam Reinhardt on a crappy Buffalo team got over 50 points, but Ryan O'Reilly, I believe, was on his line too. So right. how, how is that line as the unit going uh, – how is it going to perform uh, in year one? And to be perfectly honest for Pittsburgh, this is just shedding salary. Like you only get a fourth round pick in 2019 from the Sabres. Yeah. You trade away Matt Hunwick and Connor Sheary, basically just to free up cap space to sign what appears to be Jack Johnson. That's pretty much what they did this. They did this so they could sign Jack Johnson. Yep. But um, it'll be interesting to see what Connor Sheary provides on the Sabres. I'm not going to lie. Um, I also think that he's helpful in some other areas. Uh, in offensive zone, loose pucks recovered for 20 minutes. He averaged 10.4. In the NHL, second to only Nikita Kucherov. Buffalo was 17th out of 31 uh, teams in that regard. And you look at offensive zone block passes for 20 minutes, he averaged 3.1, second only to Justin Williams. So it's not like the guy scores 18 goals and 30 points. Oh, he's a bust. He can do nothing for you. Connor Sheary can help out your team in more ways than one. And I think that's part of the reason why Buffalo made this trade is because it's one thing to score goals. It's another to keep pucks out of your net and keep the puck away from other teams. And if you're not giving it to other teams, you're probably helping your own case. Right. I mean, there's also, there's something to be said, like last year or in 2016, 2017 season, I'm looking here. He had 53 points in 61 games. And I mean, I know. Yeah. yeah. And so I know that's not like, that's not, um, you know, he was probably helped a little bit by Crosby. So yes, he was. Um, But at the same time, it's like, that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, So like, I know that he had a, (laughs) he, uh, he didn't necessarily have a great season this year. But then again, he was deployed uh, like poorly too because he only had 13 minutes of ice time on average, um, as opposed to last year where he had 16 minutes. Um, so, so maybe it's just something that he just didn't get along with Mike Sullivan, um, and they would rather have Ryan Rust um, with uh, with Crosby instead of Sheary. And so I don't know if. I mean, I I think there is potential there, um, whether it will happen or not, um, that I'm not sure. But it's kind of like the same situation that uh, Tage Thompson is in. There is potential for Tage Thompson, but um, will he get it to figure it out? I'm not sure. Um, But Tage Thompson is 20 years old, uh, not uh, 26 like uh, Connor Sheary is. Um, and let's see here, uh, another trade, Matt Martin bat is back to the Islanders for Eamon McAdams. I believe Brian said yesterday that, uh, you know, Eamon McAdams probably is not going to be a, a big time goalie for the Maple Leafs anyways, but, uh, Matt Martin goes to the Islanders and he's going to be a leadership guy there. This is back to his former team as well. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think this is just more of a depth move for mo- both guys, uh, for both teams. Where Matt Martin could be the 
a leadership guy, but if you're going to expect a lot of points uh, from him, then you're not, you know, that's not really what he does. Uh, you know, he's more of a hitter and yeah. um, change of game, you know, change the pace of the game kind of guy. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, what is your thoughts on this? And I think in, in, I think in the vision that thrives on speed and skill, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how um, old school hit every totality goes up against the speeds of it all. Yep. Because uh, there have been games like uh, Los Angeles and Boston uh, sometimes get burned by like teams. And um, like it's one thing to have who's known for his hitting, Matt Martin is hitting, and Komarov, who's known for his hitting and penalty killing, but uh, um, I, I, it's going to be against, is it going to be a successful team? Uh, uh, I don't think well, but um, I think I think Matt Martin could be one of those auditions that people look back and say, he's not a goal scorer, but to our roster really changed things here. So, um, and, and the fact of the matter is the last time, uh, the New York Islanders had Matt Martin on their team, they were a playoff team. And I know they had to, but they also didn't have Barzell and they still had scribes. So I, I've, it's, it's, if bringing back Matt Martin is going to have a drastic impact, um, and relevancy, but I think, I think the potential is there. Yeah. Um, also this kind of just in that I, I just found out, uh, Jan Kovar, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He was on the KHL last year, but it looks like he signed with the, uh, the New York Islanders. Um, so, uh, so one of those KHL imports, um, is coming. He's 28 years old. He's a center. Um, he had 35 points in 54 games in the KHL. Um, he also had five points in six games in the Olympics for the Czech Republic. Um, so I don't know. It will be interesting. To, so that is an interesting uh, minor move for the Islanders, but um, that could be, you know, could be something like the next Kucherov possibly or um, Panarin, but. Maybe not, <laughs> you know. Um, we'll see. Um, it's or to fill, maybe it's to fill the void that left behind when he left uh, for the cage. Yeah, I mean, also I don't... we uh, didn't mention that uh, we didn't mention the last episode. Also signed a one year with the Islanders, so yep. there's okay. another depth piece. Yep. Um, and then, um, we usually don't really, uh, cover if, uh, when teams sign their, um, entry level contract, um, for, but like, I guess I'm going to make an exception today, um, because it looks like Philip Sedina signs an ELC and it looks like, um, he might be able to play, um, the NHL says that rules that he was on loan to Halifax so he can play in AHL next season. However, this is according to Craig, Craig Custance. Um, but then, however, it seems like the Halifax GM 
told their beat reporters that he's not on loan, but the NHL does say he is. So this is going to get this might get interesting where he might not actually be able to play um, in the NHL. He's not actually AHL um, eligible, but he might be at the same time. But um, it, it is uh, uh, something to note um, in case that actually um, gets. Is I think it's more of a developing story at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, um, at least Rasmus Dahlin doesn't have to worry about this because it looks like he's signing a three-year yeah. contract. Um, it looks like he's going to be in the NHL next year. Um, and same with Shevnikov, who also signed a three-year contract too. But um, So um, there's that. But um, Zadina, it's unclear if he's going to be playing this year or not. Um, but yeah, so it's something to keep an eye on. I, it, yeah, and I, I don't honestly know what the next stage for him is and, and what's the best stage for him because he's only played, yeah. I think, a year of North American hockey. So like, yeah. what's another year of junior going to hurt? Maybe unless the Red Wings think he's accomplished just about everything he could at the yeah. junior level. I think the, the next step is probably to put him into the AHL and see how he does, but you're right. It, like, it couldn't hurt to just put him back in Halifax. I mean, like... It's not like they're in any hurry to be good, right? True, but like you know, he could be good right away. Like if he if he can play, like I just like it's a similar situation to what happened with Nico Heischer last year. I know Heischer was the first overall pick, so you kind of had to put him in uh, right away. But like if you you know Zadine, like Heischer was only played one year um, in the QMJHL as well, so. and then he went straight to the NHL and um, had a decent season as well. So um, it is like possible that he could play in the NHL right away. Um, but I think it kind of makes sense to just put him in Grand Rapids, the AHL affiliate for Detroit, um, instead. Because you're right, he doesn't. They don't need him to be good right away. But it would be kind of cool if he was there. Um, right away i think uh maybe that's part of why um halifax appears to be a bit reluctant to say that if he's on loan uh to the nhl because you know you lost nico he you know right. a year after having him and now the same could happen with sadina too like that you know it, it's it's one thing to develop quality players which the mooseheads have done a great job of doing especially when it comes to european players right but at the same time you got to pay the bills too you got to draw on the fans as well you've got a business to run true and losing two first round nhl picks in as many seasons after just one year (laughs) you're you're not just gonna stand idly by every single time and say yeah okay you can have this guy right you know if got another year of uh, junior hockey eligibility and uh, you're sick and tired of uh, people taking your players too early you know may- maybe at, at that point uh, the owner you know is is just like okay i've had enough of this i want to take a stand or, or yeah. the gm says that as well but um yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out because you know Again, they've also developed guys like Jonathan Drew and Nathan McKinnon, who were also top three picks. Yeah, I was about to mention. I think that like a similar situation happened with McKinnon and Drew 
uh, where they were teammates in Halifax, no less. And then I think McKinnon was able to play um, his first year, but then Drouin stayed in Halifax for another year. But I wonder if maybe the GM saying like, okay, we're going to loan McKinnon to the Avalanche because he was a first overall pick, but Drouin staying another year in Tampa was kind of may, maybe was upset about that, but um, I don't know. Um, Hall of Fame stuff, inductions, this happened, uh, it feels like forever ago, but um, <laughs> it happened, uh, I think like a day after our, our uh, last episode, our second to last episode. Uh, but uh, so the big, uh, no shockers here in terms of um, the players, uh, Martin Brodeur uh, gets in on his first ballot. Uh, so does Martin St. Louis on his first ballot. Um, and then um, there's a Russian, I think, I, I'm blanking on his name, but he was also inducted. And then uh, Willie O'Ree gets a Builder Award, finally. Um, and and then uh, Gary Bettman, which is the more controversial one, also gets a Builder Award um, induction in. Um, you know, so Brodeur, Martin St. Louis are... I mean, Martin St. Louis is kind of iffy. I'm not sure if he's a first ballot, but it's like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, Brodeur's definitely in. Um, but uh, And Willie O'Ree, it's like, you know, he should have been in like 10 years ago where, you know, when he was first eligible just for what he did um, for, you know, black players and uh, diversifying the NHL and being the first black player in the NHL, even though his stats weren't great, but, you know, it's just an accomplishment within itself. Um, so, so there's that. Gary Bettman, like, yes, he did. Like, if you disregard the lockout stuff, um, which you can still blame him for, he has had, like, a big impact on the growth of the NHL. Um, my only issue is, I mean, other than the, the lockout is that, like, He's still the commissioner. It's like, fine, he's probably a Hall of Famer, but, like, you know, just wait until he retires instead of, you know, like, getting him in right now. Um, that's that's what I don't really understand. It's just, like, he's still in the commissioner. Like, what if he, like, we find out that he's, like, you know, he he's not, like, you know, he, like, there's some big scandal of his... And then it's like, well, he's already in the Hall of Fame. Nothing you can do. It's kind of a similar situation to Jeremy Jacobs last year. It's like he's, you know, Jacobs still an owner. Um, So that I find a little bit odd, but um, I don't know. Uh, What what are your thoughts on all this? Well, uh, no no issues with Brodeur. I'm glad St. Louis got in as well. And, you know, he might not think that he has the offensive numbers, but a guy... At five foot eight back in yep. those days was absolutely unheard of. It's just like, ah, you know, you're too small, you know. Like he went from like cups of coffee in Ottawa and Calgary. The freaking Sens could have had St. Louis. And yeah. then Tampa Bay snaps well, him up and gets like a thousand NHL points in this I believe he was career. like I believe and look, and he, he was like put on waivers like so many times early on in his life. Yeah. 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 And he just absolutely lights it up. And yeah, 
I think it's more of the inspiration factor. The fact that you look at today's game and you look at the speed and skill and the and some of the guys that are getting drafted and they're not the tallest. And you look at guys yeah. like Alex DeBrinkett that aren't very tall, but like you look at his junior stats and they're absolutely through the charts. Yeah. And Martin St. Louis impact on the game uh, is measured in more than just numbers. I think it's just his ability to inspire like, Hey, you can be five foot eight and make an impact in this league. I did it. You can do it too. Right. And you look at all the big name players that feet and, and they're making waves across yeah. the league. Yeah. Uh, so I think St. Louis had a big Four role in that. Started. And Willie O'Ree, like about darn time, this guy finally gets in and the inspiration that he's had. And I won't deny Bettman's growth on the game, but you look at the guys that have inspired all of today's youth and the people before them that have inspired today's youth. Like, remember... Well, you don't remember. Neither of us were born. But back in the day, before guys like Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky were tearing up the league, Paul Henderson scored probably the biggest goal in Canadian hockey history, and he he is still not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, that is probably the biggest highway robbery in hockey right now, is that Paul Henderson, even if you put him in the builder, I don't care, just get him in there. Yeah. And, And... it boggles my mind that Gary Bettman gets in over Paul Henderson. So it's it's just guys that have waited for so long that should be in the hall that aren't in the hall that get passed over by Gary Bettman. Right. That's what shocks me. I think it's, it's those guys. Those guys are in the Hall of Fame, but Bettman gets it. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I, I think Bettman does deserve to be in it. Like, say what you want about him. Like, sure, I. I am curious to see if people are going to boo him in his induction <laughs> speech. But, like, you know, like, he did have, um, he did have, well, first off, I want to say that you're right about Martin St. Louis. It's like, you know, he was, you know, he's he's a true underdog story. And I guess I'm looking at his stats now. He's He had 1,033 points, uh, 1,033 points. Um, in a thousand and a hundred and thirty-four games played, um, so that's that's good on just that stat alone. Um, but like you know, he also had three hundred and ninety-one goals, six hundred and forty-two point uh, assists. Um, so that's incredible for in a thousand uh, games that he's played. Um, and then, uh, but and then Brian Brodeur, of course, he's like you know he's he's probably top three of the best goalies of all time. Yeah, um, like only nine wins shy of seven hundred. Yeah, and the most wins out of any goalie in NHL history. Exactly, and especially on a team like the Devils that didn't really have an offensive uh, mindset. Like it's not like Patrick Waugh, like you know, without Sakic and Forsberg, um, you know, Patrick Waugh might not have been as great. But like you know, Brodeur had to deal with the Devils and like. Uh, Hasek had to deal with the Sabres. I mean, I know he went to the Red Wings eventually, but, like, you know, like, he was really good on the Sabres. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Brodeur was, like, basically the Devils for a decade. Um, so, yeah. And on he's, top of that, like, he was playing in over, like, 70 games, getting 40-plus win yeah. seasons. How many times are you seeing that in today's NHL? Right, right. And I, and I, like, and to your point about Paul Henderson, like, you know, Willie O'Ree is kind of like 
that same in that same mold. It's like Willie O'Ree paved the way for all these African Americans and you know all these black players. I guess uh, same with like so African Canadians as well. Like so, uh, just the fact that it took this long to have Willie O'Ree even as a builder award, uh, a builder guy. Um, it it just it just like uh, like well duh kind of like he should have been in like twenty years ago but um, Probably yeah should have been in before Jeremy Jacobs right exactly I mean Jeremy Jacobs shouldn't be in but yes you're right <laughs> um, I'm gonna disregard that but yes uh, but uh, for, as for Gary Bettman like sure he had um, you know three lockouts under his name and he's the only commissioner not just in the NHL but like. Um, every one, every commissioner in all four sports hasn't canceled the season, and that should, you know, he should be shamed for that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, he he kind of helped grow this game, so it's not just the Northeast and Canada that loves this game. It's like, you know, yeah, like he's brought it to Sweden. He brought yeah. it to China recently. He's, he's brought it to China. China he's brought, he has all those outdoor games, which say what you want. Yeah. Those have uh, helped in terms of growth um, in actual cities. Nashville is uh, one of the, the best hockey towns. Same with Vegas. Uh, I don't think he could take credit for f- the Florida and California teams, but um, but because I think uh, that happened around the times um, after, uh, like, before he was commissioner. But, uh, like, um, <clears throat> I guess the Florida Panthers, I guess, um, and the Dallas Stars. Um, but the the fact that, you know, like, he has grown the game where it's still not, like, you know, as big as football or basketball. And I don't think hockey will ever be like that, as popular as those two sports. But... You know, at the same time, it's like it's no, it's like he's still keeping it mainstream, even after all this stuff with the lockout and all this other stuff. Where like you would think the fans would hate, uh, would not even bother with the NHL after he cancels a season, and you know we're still like you know we're talking about this now, um, and it's and it's um, and the cap situation like. The salary cap, like, they're, they're done with all the, you know, the super teams of the Red Wings and the Avalanche yeah. um, back in the day. And and now teams have to be smart with their cap situation. And, and every signing, every trade, everything is, like, we always say, like, well, wait, can they afford it? And, you know, back in the day, it's like, well, yeah, of course they can afford it. You know, yeah, there's no cap. Yeah, the biggest pockets can afford yeah, it, yeah. sure. So, right, and it it is partially the reason why, like, baseball isn't as good as it used to be is because, like, teams like the Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, they always, are the Dodgers, they always go out and get the free agents, and then, like, teams that are, like, small market teams can't compete with that, like the Rays, the, uh, the Reds, the, I don't know, I'm just thinking of random teams that, like, you know, they haven't been good in a while, and whereas, like, so the salary cap does give them, does give teams, like, even small market teams, uh, like, faith that, like, oh, we can actually build something. And that's what I think Batman does. Like, the Winnipeg Jets wouldn't be 
the Winnipeg Jets um, if it wasn't for the salary cap. Um, because, like, no one wants to go to Winnipeg. But, you know, they drafted well, they traded well, and, uh, and, and now they're one of the best teams in the league. And, and speaking of Winnipeg, you know, like, uh, Gary did bring, or Bevin did bring the, um, I know him on a first name basis, apparently, um, <clears throat> Bevin did bring, uh, hockey back to Winnipeg. Um, although, you know, Atlanta Thrashers may not have been a big success, but like, you know, Winnipeg is definitely like a huge fan base in the NHL now. So, um. So that could be considered a success there. Um, I can I can just imagine the people in Quebec City losing their freaking minds when they heard Batman was going to the Hall of Fame. They're just like, that's yeah. traitor. Right, right. Yeah. We still don't have our team back, and he gets in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, I mean, I have a feeling Quebec City will probably get a team pretty soon. Um, yeah, eventually, <laughs> I think they will, yeah. Uh, we have to be quick here. Um Athanasu resigns with Detroit, uh, two years, three million. It's kind of interesting just because it took him forever. It took him last season to get resigned, but I guess I didn't think he had a great season this year. But I guess Detroit uh, figures why not? We'll we'll resign him for two years, three million. Um, Valerie Nichushkin uh, is officially back in the NHL again. Um, I guess he just didn't get along with. Uh, Lindy Ruff, who was the coach at the time for the Stars, and maybe now he's more willing to play in Dallas now. Um, and he uh, it's two years, two point nine million per year. Um, so that's that's good for him. And then Robbie Fabry resigns with the Blues, uh, nine nine thousand two hundred and uh, and twenty five k a thousand. Um, not a million, but for one year. Yeah, nine hundred twenty-five grand he signed for. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, um, for one year. Um. But yeah. So those are the three that I have of note. Um. It looks like Slava Voinov might be back, but we'll talk about that when it happens. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Do you have any uh thoughts on any of those things? I don't think Athanasiu had an off year. I do think he's going to get some more opportunities um, in offensive situations on the power play. I think there's some untapped potential in this kid. I'm interested to see yeah. uh, what the Red Wings do with him moving forward. I think Natushkin coming back um, was a result of Antoine Roussel going to Vancouver because, in my opinion, uh, Natushkin is a carbon copy of Roussel. He can chip in with, like, 15 goals, 30 points, and he's a physical guy. I don't know if he's so, physical, but... I think but... knowing Natushkin was coming back, that's part of the reason why Roussel... Yeah, I, w- so, I wouldn't necessarily say that he's physical, but I, 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 get, I get what you mean. Um, and, and and Robbie Fabry, like, 925 grand for a guy that can chip in, like, 15 to 20 goals and 40 points, maybe more than that if he yeah. finds a strike and stays healthy. Um, now, I'll take that for a year. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and then, uh, lastly, before we go to the Bruins Send segment, um, Jaina Hefford... And Alexander Yakushev were the two other Hall of Fame members that I didn't include um, okay. in here. But uh, I just wanted to get that out there in case anyone is offended that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to the Bruins Send segment. 
Um, do you, I guess do you want to tell the story about uh, Eric Carlson uh, possibly being traded to Tampa, or uh, you want? Okay, you can go. I'll I'll, I'll take it. Um, yeah, uh, it, his days in Ottawa appear to be numbered. I don't know if you've uh, been keeping track of the Sens. I certainly have, uh, because every single week there appears to be a bad news story. And uh, on the bright side, if Eric Carlson gets traded. Um, Maybe you won't hear any sense news for a while. Bottom at that point, if they trade Eric Carlson and probably go into full rebuild mode. But uh, on let's let's start on July first. Let's start there. So we all know on draft weekend he remained an Ottawa Senator. Pierre Dorian promised at the town hall meetings back in April, if Eric Carlson is still with the team on July first, that will give him a contract offer, and he did. And according to a tweet from NHL.com's Catherine Tappan, um, it was a reported eight-year contract worth $10 million per season, so a bit less than what Dowdy was making. And when asked about Carlson's reaction to the offer, Dorian said, I won't go there. Yeah. And that pretty much tells me all that I need to know and that Eric Carlson is probably not going to be on with Senator for I... much longer. And then on top of that, Anyone interested in acquiring Eric Carlson was invited to uh, make contract extension offers to him. I, I will say that I, I was reading some stuff and like that is like a negotiating tactic where it's like you like the team offers what like less than what they think um, he deserves and then Carlson would like counter that offer being like, okay, I'll sign for eight years and 15 million and then they meet somewhere in the middle. Um, so, but, so it is still possible that Carlson, uh, could come back and say, like, I want Dowdy money, um, eight years, and, 11 and this million. this was when, right. this was just after Dowdy got paid, too. Right, right. So, so, so like. Dowdy, he knew what Dowdy was getting. Right, right. So, so, like, that is a lowball offer, considering that's what Dowdy, like, that's just one million less than what Dowdy was offered or got. So, but, like. I, I don't know if he would nec- I don't know if Carlson would necessarily sign if it was eight years, eleven million, um, on the initial offer. But yeah, so, <laughs> um, but I I think it was more for Dorian. It's just like, hey fans, we did offer him a contract. We did say that we were going to do it. It's just like it was a lowball offer. <laughs> and and I I will say this. The fact that they offered Carlson $10 million per year, if that's true, you know what? For Eric Carlson, they did their best in that regard. I didn't think they would even get to $10 million per year. So I'm impressed that they did that. It just sucks that Drew Doughty and Oliver ekman Larson were signing big contract extensions at around the same time all this was going on. Right. uh, On top of the other off-ice issues, too. Right. Right. or I shouldn't say issues, distractions with the Sens and the bad year that they had. If this was a normal year, I think Carlson would happily sign with the team. But as we all know, uh, the Sens couldn't have had a worse season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, sorry, continue on. I, I didn't mean okay. to interrupt, but I, I just figured I no, should mention that. It's, it's, it's an important point to make, so I appreciate you making that point. Yeah. But um, as I said before, I'm all but accepted the fact that Eric Carlson is not going to be a senator for much longer. I don't think there's turning back at this point. Ottawa had their chance to keep Carlson. I doubt they could have offered more to him than what they did. And Eric's going to get the money that he deserves. And he deserves 
his next paycheck and he's going to get it. I just really wish it was here in Ottawa. And I, I, I frankly just keep thinking to myself, how in the world did we get to this point? Like how did we go five years ago to not keeping Alfie when he didn't ask to leave to this year when we had to re-sign Kyle Turris and we chose to trade him for Matt Duchesne. And now, on top of that, we are about to lose a franchise player, one of the best defensemen of our generation, in the prime of his career. Like, that's three franchise favorites in five years. Gone. And none of them has to leave. Yeah. Like, it boggles my mind. I know and Jason that they, as well. I know they couldn't afford to keep Alfie and Turris. They couldn't afford to keep Carlson because Carlson was going to be tough to pay. Mm. But still, it's just over and over and over again. It's the same darn headline. They can't keep their star players. Yeah. And, and I know there was one offseason where they did keep Bobby Ryan and Mark Mathot, and they signed Clark MacArthur. And I'll give Melnick credit for that, for opening his wall at that time. But, ugh. Uh, yeah. I think the I think what needs to happen is Melnick needs to leave the yeah. owner, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, um, and I think that's why Carlson's gone because the only way he's going to stay is if Melnick is gone. When you have fans that are upset with Melnick, when you have hmm. Alfie saying off the record, "Yeah, we might need a new owner," right? That, that could do us some good. And by the way, Daniel Alfredson is probably. Uh, the most famous player besides Eric Carlson, and is actually good buddies with Carlson. And when Alfie is saying that about the owner, like yeah. that is, I, I that's the definition of a wake up. I mean, the good the good thing is is that at least they're not doing the same thing as what they were doing to Alfie, though. Like at least now they're trying to trade for Carlson, so that like at least they're getting something back, even though they'll probably knock out what he's equivalent to. Because what's the return for Eric Carlson in reality is just a bunch of first round picks, a bunch of yeah, yeah, a bunch of first round picks, a bunch of like solid NHL players, and a bunch of like solid prospects. Like that would be the equivalent return, and I'm not sure if teams are actually going to be willing to do that. Um, But. yeah, so but like at least they're trying to get at least something back for him. Um, yeah, and and I, I will give Pierre Dorian and company credit for that that they're not wasting time. That yeah, they, I, I think they are wise to trade Eric Carlson before the season starts, before things right. start to go off the rails, before right. maybe he has a bad year and that hurts his value. You don't want. I think I think the best time to get full value for him is right now. And you don't want like what happened to John Tavares. Yeah, here. or Carlson to suffer a season-ending injury, and everyone's just like, yeah, yeah cool. we'll wait till the summer to keep him. Yeah, and, and Carlson has injury risk, too, so that, yeah. that is something to think about, too. Yeah, so um, anyways, looking at the potential trade destinations, because uh, that's probably where we're going to stay at this yeah. point. Uh, Vegas reportedly um, was close on trade deadline day back in February, late February, early March. They were very close to a deal with Eric Carlson and they regenerated uh, contract discussions a little bit uh, this off season. Then Dallas emerged as the front runner. And uh, the word is that uh, the Sens wanted uh, Hesh Kinnan, who uh, they, uh, who the stars drafted third overall in 2017. So a year ago. 
And this guy is probably their most hyped defensive, and um, that's not on the team right now. So mm. probably their top defensive prospect. And uh, Stars GM Jim Nill appears reluctant to do that. And um, since then, contract talks have stalled. Uh, trade discussions have stalled between uh, those two teams. And um, on Thursday, we got word that Tampa Bay was now the front runner for Eric Carlson and very, very close to a deal, according to TSN Sean Simpson. Uh, however, Elliot Friedman said that uh, potential deal has not gone through uh, and it hasn't gone through yet. Um, apparently, some teams aren't eager to take on Ryan's contract. And um, the Rangers might be a team to pick up a couple of bad contract offers because, yeah. you know, they're uh, in rebuild mode. And, and they, and they love Tampa do. Bay, too. Yeah. So <laughs> at, at the last check, it looked like the Rangers, Sens, and Lightning were reportedly um, the three teams involved. Yeah. Uh, the Bolts would get Carlson. The Rangers might take on a bad contract or two. And then the Sens would hopefully get a decent return. And I think if Ottawa trades with Tampa Bay, if they can get Sergachev point and a first-round pick, I won't be over the moon excited because I know we're going to lose Eric Carlson. But I wouldn't be sad. Yeah. I, I would I, I would be reasonably satisfied with that return. I think, I think that a is a good return. A young forward and a first-round pick. I think that is a good return, but the question is, is I don't know... Because I think, like, other teams knows that the the Senators are in a bad situation. Oh, no question. So, so they're, they're not... They're yeah. So it's not going to be easy to get that kind of return. And I don't know if that, like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's, like, if you have high expectations that that's going to be the return, I'm not sure if that's going to be the thing. What is interesting, what I found annoying, and, and we talked about this through email, the uh, the fact that uh, Jim Neal doesn't want to trade Miro Hiskinen, like I can understand uh, Tampa Bay not wanting to tr- necessarily trade Sergachev because we've seen what he can do in the NHL, and we get you know like that's like I mean it's a non like the Bruins and the the Senators haven't even had discussions as far as I'm aware, but I'm sure that they would ask for Charlie McAvoy, and that's already a no for me. <laughs> I'm sure it's a no from Don Sweeney as well. Um, but, like, you know, those two players, those guys are in the NHL. Heiskanen, yes, he could be the next Eric Carlson. He could be, you know, he could be really, really good. But he's not even in the NHL yet. And it's like, it, it, it boggles my mind that, like, he could be. So you'd rather have a guy who could be the next Eric Carlson Versus the actual Eric Carlson. Um, and have a guy who's younger, could be the next Eric Carlson, and hits his prime at the same time that Ben and right. Sagan are aging and on the wrong yeah. side of 30. But, I mean, like, you could say the same for, uh, like, uh, Stamkos and Kucherov in Tampa. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, but I, I do know what you mean. Um, but, like, at least... At least Stamkos and Kucherov get to play with Sergachev, <laughs> um, whereas Heiskanen may not be even ready this year. He could be ready next year, but like you know, like it's still like so. You'd rather get a guy, keep a guy who could be versus the guy that we like know is like 
of generational talent. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, that is tough to really say, I guess. Um, yeah, so... Uh, if Tampa gets Carlson, too, like... Tampa yeah. and Toronto's going to be so fun to watch. I know, it's going to be an arms race. It's like, like an arms you race. You yeah. Tavares on one line, Matthews on another line, and then you yeah. got Hedman on one defensive pairing, and then Carlson on another defensive pairing. Like, yeah. how, how lucky can you get? Yep. Yeah. Like, like, we're going to be so lucky watching those matchups. Like, that's going to absolutely be intense. And I feel bad for Boston if he goes to Tampa Bay because mm. probably – probably two top 10 players in the league have now just entered your division and neither are playing for your team. Yep. So I, 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 I think that would also be a shot to Toronto because everyone in Toronto is like playing the parade and thinking mm-hmm. that Tavares, you know, is going to lead him to the promised land and then the lightning go, yeah, hold my beer and then get Eric right. Carlson. And they're just like, see, this is why we can't have nice things. Yep. Well, the funny thing, well, I mean, that, that was a good segue because I was going to talk about that um, just after this and how Bruins sense him it. But, um, like, I thought uh, it didn't, because of this Hoffman thing, right, because the Senators uh, deal Hoffman to the Sharks, supposedly uh, the Panthers wanted in on the Senate, uh, we're going to trade with the Sens directly, but then Hoffman... Uh, apparently, Doyne doesn't trade within the division. I guess he's willing to uh, not do that uh, for a guy like Eric Carlson and trade to Tampa, or maybe he forgot that Tampa was also in the Senators' division. Um, but um, but it's, it's going to be funny too if 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 Carlson does end up going to Tampa, he's in the same state as, if he lived in the same as Mike state Hoffman. As Mike Hoffman yeah. yeah. Um, see, see, the difference is, I think uh, Dorian's strategy was to trade Hoffman as far away from the division mm-hmm. as possible to satisfy Eric Carlson to the point where he stay. Yeah, when he's trading Eric Carlson at the best return. I don't care if he's in the division; just best return, please. I don't care who gets him. Yeah, I guess that's that's true. It just it, it just was silly to to even say like oh yeah I don't I don't if trade he, with if he, if he projected yeah. to split them apart as far away as possible and they're still in the same you yeah. know close enough to each other right right it's just it's just funny too it's just like wait a second he's going to Tampa does Dorian know that they're in the same division so it just shows that maybe I mean, that was that, all I would be peak Ottawa too though yeah I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, if you want to go, um, to the Bruins, if you're done with the Sens. Yeah, yeah, we can go, we can go to how this impacts your team, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so you did just bring it up just now with, like, if Carlson does end up going to Tampa, that means that, like, two of the top ten players, top five players, um, you know, go to Toronto and go to Tampa, um, and they're now in our division. Even though Carlson was in the division, he's now on a better team in Tampa. Um, but uh, so assuming that Carlson is in Tampa, uh, this means that the Bruins are probably going to be the third in the Atlantic division projected. Um, but, I mean, well, first off, Toronto has to figure out their defense. 
Tampa is legitimately scary. Um, so, so um, not just, I mean, if they weren't already. Um, so I feel like the Bruins' biggest need right now is getting, is their wing. Because now that Rick Nash is left, I feel like they made that trade, you know, to get Rick Nash um, so that, like, he wasn't going to be just a rental. But now this news where he's probably going to retire, uh, that kind of hurt them. So they do need to go out and get a winger. Um, and so I think they might be on... There are rumors that they're, uh, if Panarin, Panarin goes is traded this uh, offseason, there is a potential that the Bruins are one of the front runners of getting him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I I feel like I would want to get Panarin, uh, Skinner, which was another one. Um, I think we mentioned that for the Sharks, where you know, yeah, we did, yeah. But um, I I kind of want to see Skinner on the Bruins as well. I know both Panarin and Skinner are both left wingers, but I don't know. I think you could because uh, we do need more right wingers. Um, I mean, I guess we could try to trade for. Uh, Pacioretty, who's another left winger, but that would be kind of funny. Um, <laughs> uh, just cause it's, you know, uh, the Hab player, the Hab captain. Um, but, um, so, so if it's not Panarin, if it's not Skinner, I kind of just want to stay the course. Cause I think the Bruins are in good standings. Otherwise you have, uh, uh, Anders Bjork, um, waiting in the wings, um, who could be something. Ryan Donato, who showed potential last year. Uh, Jake DeBrusque showed that he can be a good left winger. Um, of course, you have Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron. Uh, Krejci um, is a little bit underrated, but not really. Um, we'll see how David Backus is. I'm a little bit annoyed that he is making $6 million right now, but uh, for a third line guy, but maybe he can be something. And then you have uh, Jacob Forsbacher Carlson, Zach Senishin, um, possibly. Um, you know, so you have a, we have a couple of guys, uh, Jack Sinica, who could be something. Um, we have a couple of prospects in our system that could, you know, take over if they needed to. Um, but it's still like, I feel like you need a winger, um, uh, to fill that top six line, um, that's not, like, uh, that, like, when Pasternak, um, other than Pasternak, our right winger situation is not looking great, so hopefully Anders Bjork can be something, or Ryan Donato, but, um, or Dan and Heinen even, but, um, that's not, uh, necessarily true, um, I also forgot to mention yesterday that uh, we re-signed Sean Corrali to a one uh, three-year 1.275 deal. Um, so I kind of like that. He was a good uh, fourth-line guy, and we did uh, lose out on Schaller. And, um, oh, and by the way, Chari, I think, is still on the team. But um, So that was a good fourth line for us. But... Um, you know, Sean Corrali is also, like, he was a big-time playoff performer for us two, even two years ago. So, um, I, I like this move just for, like, he's a good depth guy for us. 
um, for the Bruins. And then, um, by the way, the guy that I forgot about, which I did tell you about just before we uh, recorded, um, was Austin Zarniak was the guy that I forgot yeah. about. Um, yeah, he went, he went to Calgary, I think, two-year yep. deal. Yeah, he went to Zarniak. Calgary also to a similar deal that Sean Corelli got. It was a $1.25 million for two years. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think I would like, to, if it's not for, it's, if it's not getting Skinner or Panarin, um, I think, I think the Bruins are set if they stay the course. I'm not like, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I guess they're, I kind of like this idea of having like an arms race, um, in the Atlantic division where like all the all the team, the top teams in the Atlantic are loading up. Um, but, um, so if, so that's going to happen with, if, if the Tampa gets, uh, ends up getting Eric Carlson, but, um, at the same time, it's like, I kind of want to see us stay the course and, uh, see what these prospects can do. Cause that's kind of, that's worked so far. Um, but uh, I wouldn't mind a Panarin or Jeff Skinner on the team. Um, to say the least. I think if either of those two things happen, I think Backus and Krejci are probably gone. Yep. Because there's no way they can keep uh, Backus yeah. and Krejci and then add another asset like a Panarin or a Skinner. Right. It's probably going to cost like $7 million And I'm sure out. one of our prospects would probably be gone um, if we are to get one of those two guys. Um I would rather have Panarin than Skinner because Panarin's more consistent, but um, it depends on the return for Skinner. Although I did see that Skinner has been very choosy on his no-trade clause, so I don't know if he necessarily even wants to leave Carolina. Um, and then I guess the other concern is is that, like, you know, we still have Jake DeBrusque on the left, left wing, and, of course, we have Marshawn on the left wing, so I'm not sure if if Panarin or Skinner can play right wing, and if they can, are they going to be as effective? And that's what I'm not sure about. Um, and even if even if they get a guy like Panarin, yep. if Tampa gets Carlson and you've seen what the Leafs have done, does it even make your team better? Like, are you still going to be better than Tampa Bay and Toronto? We're not going to be better I think, than. I think you're better off staying the course, honestly. Maybe I guess getting, maybe maybe getting like someone like Chris Stewart, like a low risk sign. Like I don't Chris know, Stewart. but yeah, maybe I, I I don't think you're better than Tampa, but I think you could be. We could still be better than Toronto if we make that move. If we get specifically, if we get Panarin, uh, that's my that would be my uh, I don't know what the phrase is, but that's that would be my pipe dream. Um, is to get Panarin somehow, but um, but I don't. If, if it involves either Krug or McAvoy, is that a hard no? Yeah, well, McAvoy, yes, is a hard no. Krug, yeah, yeah, I think so too. Just because we don't have a ton of left-handed D, I guess we do have John Moore, but I don't. I, I would rather have Krug instead of yeah. John Moore. So. Um, and, you know, we don't know what Char is going to be, especially since he's 40. So there is, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't want to trade Krug. But at the same time, it's like, uh, we have Panarin. It's like, all right, maybe that could work. But um, I think it, it's like, unless you get 
a defenseman back that's that's of quality, but you know, Krug is is hard to trade away a kind of guy. I know he's not great defensively for a defenseman, but he he's like our our best power play quarterback in a while, and McAvoy will be that guy one day, but um, at the moment, Krug is our best defenseman. Um, so. Now, uh, we, we're talking about defensemen here, and there are a couple of free agent defensemen available, like Tobias Hinstrom still available, yep. Brooks Orpik, Kevin Bieksa, Alexi Emlin. Would would you welcome either of those guys on your team? Um, like, do, do you think either of those on the Bruins? I feel... Uh, More depth on defense, like yeah. just short-term depth. I mean... I guess in terms of like a shutdown guy, maybe Brooks Orpig, but um, I don't or like Tobias Emmonstrom in terms of sh- actually having a shutdown thing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Alexi Yemelin. Um, maybe that's just because of he was a former Hab, yeah. but um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't necessarily go for those guys. Um, I feel like we have enough depth already, um, but. Um, we do need a left-handed defenseman, um, specifically because Chara's, um, we don't know what Chara's future is going to be like and how he, you know, because he's, he's on the, on the, uh, wrong side of 40. Um, so that's, that is a little concerning, even though he has been effective and he's, he's a sort of, you know, he's, he's been so good for us for so long. Um, but every every player's got a shelf life, right? right? Exactly. So I I do. It is to the point where you do have to worry about those kind of things, and I'm not necessarily sure if Krug's going to be that guy. Um, it would be kind of funny though, because it's like you know Chara's so tall and Krug's so short. But it would be kind of funny if that's Krug ends up being the the replacement for Chara at the end. But yeah, I think um, you know Chara has become a shutdown role player in his older age and he's been a big mentor to guys like McAvoy and Carlo um but um I'm not so it's it's gonna be hard to fill those roles yet but I don't think it's gonna it's Tobias Enstrom, Orpik or Emelin um maybe a guy like Jason Garrison or Paul Martin I'm looking here on Cap Friendly but um I don't know. It's, uh, if, the, it's, if the price is right, I mean, yeah. if it's anything more than two point five million, yeah. forget it. Yeah, I think it, it it it's it's one of those things where it's tough to like it's tough to replace those guys, but it is something that you have to think about um, for for the long term. Just just to buy the young guns uh, some time. Exactly. I, I think if the Bruins win the cup, they're gonna freaking earn it because yeah. Um, uh, it is not going to be an easy road for them. No, I know. Like, I, I, I feel bad for your team more than I feel bad for my team because <laughs> I know what my team's going to be like. They're not going to be good. Right. But your, your team is stuck between Tampa and Toronto, and, and yep. you need to get through those two teams probably in the playoffs just to get to the to the conference finals and have a shot at winning the cup. Well, that's why I'm saying I feel like we sh- we should get a we should trade for Panarin. Um, just so we can, um, even if he doesn't resign next year, it's like we'll we'll get you know we'll get a guy um, 
so that we can build up on this arms race in the Atlantic Division, just so we can uh, have a shot. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we would be able to beat a team like Tampa. But um, if if they get end up getting Carlson, um, but you know, um, I think you could beat Toronto. Um, just because they do have a hole in their defensive side. So if you build up on their offense, then I think we could be the second best team in the Atlantic if we get a guy like Panarin or Skin- uh, even a guy like Jeff Skinner. Because um, like Skinner doesn't have to be the guy like he is in Carolina. Or, you know, the same with Panarin. He doesn't have to be the guy um, uh, that he is in, in Columbus. So... So there is that kind of aspect of things where there is less pressure in that regard. But, of course, there is still pressure because, you know, you get him for a trade and it's not going to be like a low-risk, high-reward type situation. It's going to be a high-risk, high-reward situation. So, um, yeah, um, I would... My pipe dream is Panarin, but I'm not, like, holding my... I'm not, like, betting my house on it. Um, yeah. per se. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's it. Um, I'm, <laughs> I hope you guys, this is also another two hour episode. So I hope you guys had a fun time, uh, listening yeah. to four hours in two days. Um, and it's, it's, it should cover you for the next uh, two weeks because exactly. uh, we're on uh, the bi-weekly thing. I will mention though, that I'm trying uh, to get an interview uh, with Colin Teske, get some of his thoughts. Yep. So maybe next week we'll put that up. Uh, we'll see. It's tentative uh, to be determined. But um, hope to speak with him sometime this offseason, and uh, you'll get to hear his take on uh, what's happened so far. And um, I'm just going to – I'm not going to bet any money, but I've got a funny feeling that the Carlson trade will be talked about in our next episode. Probably. I, it will be. <laughs> I, I think by the end of July, I think he'll be in a, in a different city. So. Yeah. I think we'll so see. too, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see the return. We'll have you covered if it yeah. does happen. Yeah. All right. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Uh, social media. You can follow oh, yeah. us on uh, Facebook at Lace Them Up on Twitter at Lace Them Podcast. We're also on the SoundCloud and on the iTunes. We do have a blog. I haven't updated it. Hopefully, will this off season. Yeah. I'm working on it. Uh, we'll talk again. Episode 133 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.